Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to DBS Films Podcast. My name is Callan, with me as always is my brother Brendan. Together we make movies with DBS Films. This episode we're going into part two of what we've learned from making six feature films that are found footage. In this episode, we're going to really kind of go into what we're looking to kind of develop and enhance. Also, our thoughts on it. First episode, really kind of highlighting the overall reasons why you might want to do uh, found footage on the indie horse uh, scale. All of those fun things. But with that being said, this episode, we're going to kind of go into what we're working on and what we've learned as well, too. As always, be sure to take a look at our movies online. We uh, could have a cold grave out right now. That is a possibility, but Horror in the Forest is definitely out there. Even a rent and review means the world to us and allows us to continue making movies. So where we uh, left off last time, we kind of gave you what the pros and cons of making a found footage movie were and are. And I kind of wanted to highlight and lean into them for a little bit and just kind of mention, you know, I think while there is a double-edged sword with a lot of things, I think one thing that's actually happened is it's made us better for the things that are a little bit harder. And, you know, some of the things that we highlighted were pacing and special effects. Um, but I really kind of like want to hop into the first one, which I think is pacing. And again, I, I have a theory. We haven't proven our theory yet, but I have a theory that the process that we have of kind of introducing character after character after character, which we've done in Bigfoot Project, which we've kind of done in Girl in Cabin uh, 13 or 14, and what we're doing at the murder house with the ghosts, is something that we really kind of picked up through found footage based on, again, one of the issues being pacing. And I think it was a way for us to figure out, hey, this really kind of speeds things up. Meeting a new character is almost like having a new cut. Now, again, that increases your budget and does a lot of different things there. But I actually think through found footage and having pacing being such an issue for us in general with found footage, and it's an issue for everyone, I actually think for it being harder has kind of potentially allowed us to improve upon it. So I guess what are your thoughts on, you know, how making a found footage movie, because it is so hard to get pacing right, you know, it really kind of makes it a, a, a lot better when it comes to training for it. I think, you know, we get some cinematics, you throw in a montage there, we got the pacing ready to go. Yeah, I think the two big things that I've learned from found footage, number one, are to do pop scares, how to really get the scares locked in, and, you know, the right amount of time to kind of build that suspense and have the pop happen is super critical. I think a lot of people, you know, miss on pop scares because they're they're basically too long and people lose interest or they're too short and it kind of feels cheap with found footage. We've kind of really refined that uh, process of getting these scares to work. I thought we did a really good job in cold grave. Those scares were our rated our highest rated scares. And obviously I think we're even better in Bigfoot and we do even better in girl in cabin 14. And I really um, am excited to do murder house too, because it's pretty much just stacked with a whole bunch of scares. But, um, you know, the other thing is definitely the pacing and it's hard to manipulate these movies. And that's one of the reasons that found footage is very, very long. It's very slow. And if you don't have things happening, it's going to be boring. And we've really kind of kind of picked up on this in Bigfoot. I think we did a really, really good job in Cabin 14. From what I've seen, it really flies by. And I'm really hoping to, to continue to capture that magic with the Murder House movie. You know, just making a movie that goes by really, really quickly. And I think some of that is the fact that it is both, um, I think Bigfoot was two nights, Cabin 14 is one night, and Murder House is going to be one night. So it's like a little bit easier to make sure the plot goes forward with that. But it's just having new characters, having new setups, having new scenes, constantly doing things 
is important. And once again, you know, pacing is the most important thing for an indie film. Your stuff is going to be given uh, a very brief window of opportunity to capture people's attention. And then you're also going to be scrutinized a little bit more. If the attention falls off, people are going to turn your movie off because you don't have name actors. You don't have the production budget that some of these bigger Hollywood movies have. Um, I just got done watching the new uh, David Fincher Hitman movie. And that movie was super, super slow burn, took a long time to get going. The pacing was screeching halt real slow. It's a good movie, but he's allowed that luxury because he's David Fincher and they have the acting was phenomenal. The production value is phenomenal as an independent filmmaker. You just don't have that you know, ability. And this is me coming from someone who loves slow burn horror, who loves slow burn movies. Um, and we make very fast paced movies because that's what our audience is right now. It won't always be like that time to develop characters more to kind of build the plot, to build the tension more. But you know, when your outlet, when, 50% of your income comes from Tubi and Tubi is ad-based and, you know, a lot of our other income comes from YouTube. You have to really get people to watch these movies and watch them all the way through. Exactly that. I mean, it really does kind of come down to, you know, the dynamics and especially the pacing and you know, getting people to watch it. And I think, you know, again, based on what I'm feeling with the Bigfoot project um, and, you know, just how we develop that we're really starting to kind of understand the pacing model for it better and then as you mentioned the pop scares really assist you as well too when it comes to that process of basically being able to um you know flush things out with it also i think the next thing i wanted to kind of highlight one of the harder things when it comes to found footage movies really does come down to in my opinion the acting i think a lot of times what ends up happening is you throw actors on an island and realistically what does that mean well that means in any type of scene when you're doing it cinematic, I can take any angle and I can take any angle of any single, um, you know, actor and I can cut to their best take of their, you know, the best line of their best take. So we got 10 takes. I can go through each of those takes and get the very best delivery for each of those actors. Thus, every single actor is giving their best performance in that scene. In found footage, you pick the best scene. And the best scene, again, acting in ebbs and flows. You know, sometimes you hit lines, sometimes it sounds natural, sometimes you flub up a little bit. Sometimes someone improvs in front of you and you have no clue what the next line indicator is and that causes you to then deliver a line slightly awkward. That's what I like to refer to being left on an island because typically what I feel like happens is something caused the actor to either get out of that zone and they're kind of just sitting there. And what ends up happening is usually with found footage, it just rolls on. It just keeps going, that scene. So then they have to like break, becomes very unnatural, and then they get back to it. And the reason I want to highlight this is it also allowed us to kind of understand, you know, developing pre-production. I think naturally would have, you know, with the surveys and everything that we learned, added more pre-production. But I really do think found footage, especially with the characters, has gotten us to the point where we're really good at understanding pre-production, at least in the sense of making sure everyone is on the same page, making sure everyone knows the story, which we've said a lot of times, you know, you'd assume a lot of the actors would understand the story and whatnot um but i think because we understand how critical it is of the performance and again you know not knowing the the scene not knowing that that slows everything down because you know really the risk and found footage is actually filming it so what are kind of your thoughts on working with actors and especially the pre-production side of things because i just feel like it's really ironed out our process over the past year yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tough scenes. Um, there's a lot of scenes that are oneers that involve multiple characters and you have to kind of move the camera. So it's not only on the actors to give a good performance, to know all their lines. It's also on me to kind of move around. It's a lot of moving pieces. And 
know, we said it before, like with cinematic, I could get someone to come in there and they, if they struggle really hard, then basically I can, you know, sit back and say, all right, relax. It's fine. Just say this line, say these lines, you know, and I, I could start to, you know, look at this movie with an editor's mindset and be like, all right, as long as it says this, I can cut back to, you know, the other actor and then I can cut back to him and have him say his lines and we can make a really good performance. And we've done this before. And a lot of the hateful eight movies, we've had to do this just because, you know, we weren't as good as in pre-production as we are now. We weren't as good as working with actors, but we've always made it work. With found footage, you don't have that luxury. You don't, you can cut around them. It's going to be jarring. So you have two options. You can do hard cuts around them or you can kind of do the morph cut. Um, the hard cuts are jarring and they're just awkward and they just don't look good. And the morph cut, if it works, no one can tell. If it doesn't work, it looks like a video game character. It's very weird. Um, there is no kind of in between with that kind of stuff. That being said, no one's really kind of brought up that stuff. So it's not like a huge issue. If I were to rely on it, I just do hard cuts, but it's going to mess with your, your production. People start to notice that stuff right away, especially if you do it multiple times to fix up a performance, it's just awkward and it's just difficult and you're going to, you know, just not get the performance that you want. So you, know, you have to be, if I were to recommend, you know, actors to work with on a found footage movie, it would be, People who are improv based, who have a good memory, so they know what you're trying to get from the script. And if they do mess up lines or if there's some kind of issues, they have the ability to just keep going with it, to keep going with the scene. So at least you're getting something. The actors that you know pose a problem are the people who right off the bat miss a couple of lines and then they're like, you know, they get stumbled and they get stuck and they have to start over again because it's like a spiral. The more that that kind of happens, they start to get more nervous, they get more anxiety, and then it happens more and it happens more. And you never want your actors to be uncomfortable or anxious because their performance is going to be affected. So, um, you know, I look for people with a theater background, actors with theater background, a little bit more in found footage movies than I would in cinematic. But, um, you know, if you're going to do anything, just a lot of pre-production, really make sure they understand the character. Because at the end of the day, if they understand the character, they understand the beats that you're trying to hit, they can kind of, once again, improv their way into, you know, getting these scenes done. Exactly that. And, you know, I will say, I think when it comes down to it, um, being able to lean into the things that are a little bit harder when it comes to making found footage will again make you stronger in those areas. And I think that's really the benefit that we're seeing. So another thing that I wanted to highlight is, you know, I really feel like when it comes to found footage, it will actually allow you to essentially see the forest through the trees. And what I mean by that is the found footage process, you know, again, I don't know if we could have made four movies cinematic. I mean, I think we could have, I don't know if we could release four movies cinematic in a year, but I think because of the found footage grind being so consistent in the sense of we are confident in the fact that we will have a movie at the end of this. And again, you know, that scaled up from girl in cabin 13 murder house. So regardless, it could have just been the, the success that we've had, but I would say the confidence once you get found footage under your belt. And again, this is why we recommend it as a first time filmmaker to really explore this 
is you will find yourself being able to focus on all of the other very, very critical elements of filmmaking, which is building your brand, which is releasing movies, which is building your community, which is understanding this process to be a long-term filmmaker, not just someone that makes it at one project or two projects, but someone that can actually begin to build a base for themselves. And I think that's really what, you know, if I look at anything, I really feel like these last four movies were processes more than, you know, anything majorly creative. Now, again, you know, each of these is a creative process to it. We love all of our movies, but two of these movies, we kind of had the concept that we've done before. So it was easier for us to lean into it. And again, the big thing is the confidence of the production. And I think because of all of those things, it just allows you to really, again, understand the full scope of filmmaking. And one thing we mentioned is, you know, just understanding the distribution process, working with distributors, working on different ways to upload. And again, the biggest thing that we, you know, I even forgot to mention the first one, which I think we should highlight now, is budget. You'll keep your money, your, your movie under that budget mark, most likely with found footage, because it is very flexible in that sense. So that's kind of a big breakdown of those things. But what would you say your thoughts are when it comes to the effect of found footage, when it comes to the overall process of being a filmmaker? Because I really think this can kind of be what you lean into to get that solid foundation underneath you. I mean, it's really good. Um, you know, the goal this year was to make four movies and I do think we would have got it done with cinematic, um, but it might, probably would have been a little bit harder. So four found footage movies made it a little bit easier for us to do this stuff. Um, there's not as much pre-production in my head as far as how I'm going to edit these and how I'm going to shoot them, because there's really only a few ways you can shoot these things. Um, most of my time is spent with actors, which is good. It gets a better performance. And I think the performances have been getting better. But I mean, like Kel said, a lot of this stuff, as far as being a filmmaker, as far as being a film studio, making movies is a small fraction of the time. You know, we spend eight days making these movies. So if you look at a full 365 day uh, schedule, the movies are maybe 5% of my actual time. It's just back end stuff. It's editing, it's screenwriting, it's doing all this other stuff. Um that you know needs to be done and needs to be learned all this stuff is very very difficult and i'm actually really happy because i think that the four movies this year was a big goal and we're gonna get it you know knock on wood that we get this last one done but i think you see a lot of growth from us in other ways we did a really really good job with learning distribution this year really figuring out what the optimal path was for us working with different companies really kind of figuring this out and you know i'm hoping this this works out with a cold grave because it gives us much more opportunities much more visibility and basically cuts out a little bit of the middleman so that we have more control of the process all the way through which is going to be huge because there's just so much time wasted in distribution there's so many empty promises and there's just so many delays and the timing is just always a mess. So if we have this, it's really good. And then there's a lot of stuff on the back end um, with marketing that you'll start to see that come out, roll out in the next couple of months that are really cool kind of collaboration projects that I think are going to give us, uh, you know, the visibility and the momentum to find those 1000 fans um, next year, which is going to be the goal of next year's um, process. But you know, if we were doing cinematic and I'm spending all my time in editing, I don't think we would have had a lot of this stuff um, because it does create a springboard for, you know, 2024. 
And, you know, it's a valid point, you know, you, you can get these things finished, you can get them uploaded much, much quicker with less stress, with less energy than, you know, what we've seen with cinematic. Exactly that. And I mean, I think that really is kind of one of the bigger benefits is it's going to provide you that that stability and that base to really go ahead and scale and grow. That being said, we kind of started off this conversation and, you know, we were talking about found footage and it seems like someone's had enough of it. Someone is is itching for the cinematic. And, you know, I am kind of curious just in the sense of, you know, going through fit found footage, going through cinematic. Those are really kind of the two different ones there. Do you think this will be one where you will simply move back to cinematic and have hybrid? Do you think you'll find yourself back with found footage? Because to me, I feel like I would almost want to go back and forth, you know, a little bit of cinematic, a little bit of found footage. They have their pros and cons. I think it comes case by case and it comes down to the idea. And I think, again, that goes back to, you know, having the 1000 fans gives us the flexibility to do what we want. So I'm curious, Brendan, what are kind of your thoughts on the long term for found footage and DBS films? We'll always go back to found footage. Like I, I will do found footage, but I definitely think that there's ideas and concepts that are found footage friendly. And there's other ones that just be cinematic. And basically, you know, going to this year, we made the decision to do found footage movies and cold grave, I think is a perfect found footage movie for as much as like kind of a hybrid. We kind of shot it cinematically in some angles, Nobody really complained about that too much. And basically we got a good found footage movie. Bigfoot was perfect for found footage. It was absolutely phenomenal. It worked out great. Cabin 14, going to have a lot of issues with that one. I do not think that's a good found footage movie. I just don't think it's going to be good. And Murder House, I think, is the perfect found footage movie. But we're really to the point now where... You know, we want to try some different stuff out. We could try a lot of cool stuff with Tegan and a lot of that stuff, a lot of stuff that we're trying to just get better at is not found footage friendly. So, you know, we're going to swing for this one, but, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of lands. But I think that, you know, I definitely want to try a mockumentary next year. I think an alien found footage movie would be perfect. Like that's a good concept for found footage. Anything in the woods is very good for found footage. Um, so, you know, I think that maybe we'll probably do 50-50. Maybe we'll probably do, um, and once again, like if it comes back and this thing blow up on Avon and Tuvi and we continue to get fans and people like our stuff, um, I'll obviously lean into that. I have no problem leaning into that. I just, I'm questioning how big the found footage community really is. And maybe we're just a little bit beyond them. Um, as far as like revenue wise, we're missing pieces of revenue to try and get these movies to where they need to be because we have our own community. We have really good marketing. Um, I think that the, the found footage community is aggressive. They're great. They're great with feedback and everything is fantastic about them, but they burn out real quick and they just really love the AVOD model. And, you know, it's great. It's a great model. I think it's fantastic. It's just, you know, we want to get you know, as diversified sources of income as possible. And that includes, you know, Apple TV, Amazon, and the rest of them, the TVOD platforms. So, I mean, it's going to come down to a lot of things. It's going to come down to the concept. It's going to come down to overall revenue. Um, as, you know, the person who's making the decisions for this company, I have to, you know, I'd be doing myself a disservice if I was only looking at a couple of these things. Like I said, where we are right now, um, 
we're making movies is what I'm focusing on making the movies that I want to make. We're just not there yet. Um, so the 1000 fans will get us to that point where we can say, Hey, I'll make more found footage movies or I'll make more cinematic movies or we can do hybrids because it doesn't really matter because I know our audience will buy whatever we make. And that's a cool conversation to have. And that's really, you know, fast forward a year from now. Um, that's what I'm hoping, you know, we could be talking about is saying like, I can make a real slow burn found footage movie um, where I don't really have to worry about pacing where I can really focus on, you know, story and character development and all these details and we could put it out there and you get horrible reviews. People could not like it. But if our community, you know, supports what we're trying to do, they understand what we're trying to do. Um, you know, we make movies for them because that's the whole purpose is just making movies for our fans with our fans. And I think that's a really cool, uh, you know, cool concept. I'm looking forward to focusing on that next year. Exactly that. I mean, I know I'm definitely excited as well. Um, with that being said, I think the last thing I really want to dwell on with found footage just in general and kind of your thoughts on it, found footage really has kind of been the way to sneak into the Hollywood system, in my opinion. You know, again, it is something where we talk about how there is that niche um, group there and really the ones that have success are kind of the ones that are, you know, developing um, that are uh basically the ones that get the recognition such as paranormal activity or such as the Blair Witch project, they have gone on to be some of the biggest indie darlings in the sense of just what the costs were, how much the revenue ended up being like all of these things combined. So I think, you know, when it comes to it, I'm really kind of curious what your thoughts are when it comes to, if there is a movie that's typically like a breakout when it comes to it, it usually comes from the found footage group. Um, I would say, I mean, again, the only reason I mentioned that is usually when other smaller movies are either brought up, it's either through something like Sundance or some festivals there, or they end up finding someone who has a very, you know, long track record of filmmaking, such as what they did with Talk to Me, and then they finally give them that opportunity. But I think the quickest like ramp up into the system is usually found footage horror movies. I mean, they can get a lot of buzz that kind of get, you know, going. I look at Skin and Marink, I look at Outwaters. And I think, you know, for us to break through to that next level, again, we have Bigfoot, you know, we have Girl in Cabin 14, we'll have Murder House. Any one of those could potentially be that breakthrough one there. So I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts of, you know, you see it happen every once in a while with these found footage movies kind of taking off. And obviously that would be very ideal for us and we'd be very, you know, excited for that. But um, when it comes to scaling up, you know, DBS, making more movies, adding more budgets, would you almost see found footage as a sleeper way for us to potentially sneak in to a theatrical or something similar to an Outwaters or Skinner Rink? Yeah, so this is kind of a trap that I fell into. When you kind of look at the biggest movies as far as ROI in the last 20 years, they're almost all found footage. <laughs> the problem is there's only five of them. There's not in the last 20 years, you only have the Blair Witch, you have um paranormal activity. Then you have Hell House LLC, and I really wouldn't consider that a theatrical beast. That was like an Amazon Prime, like they hit it right at the same, you know, perfect time. Um, and then you had Outwatch and Skinnamarink, and Outwatch and Skinnamarink, they really didn't make a lot of money. They made a million dollars, which is great off of the, you know, the limited budget that they had, but it wasn't a huge blockbuster. And both of them are analog horror, and analog horror has a very unique um fan base to where people are like oh well this is kind of art um or the people who 
you know, resonated with the skinmarink and the childhood trauma of being left alone. They really loved that movie. A lot of other people didn't get it. Um, so those are the only ones that were big. And we had two in the last year. Now, I hope analog horror comes back because it's kind of cool. I really like what the backrooms does. But, you know, you kind of look at that list and say, oh, well, you know, 50% of these um, ones, because they always are like, oh, this $10,000 movie, you know, grossed $100 million. Well, here's the other thing they don't really tell you is that usually a lot of these movies, when they get to the point where they get picked up, some studio drops about $250,000 to get really good editing in there, really good audio in there, really good stuff. And they're probably also spending tens of millions of dollars in advertising to basically get these things to where they need to go. Like Paranormal Activity probably had a massive advertising budget, which is something that they don't really talk about. They just like to say, hey, I made this movie for $10,000 and you know, it went theatrical. That being said, I don't think any of our cinematic stuff would ever get picked up and go, go straight into theaters. I just don't think that's a possibility. If anything, the best way for us to proceed with the cinematic stuff is to have it do really, really well on, you know, AVOD platforms, TVOD platforms, on the platforms we have access to. And then we can basically pitch it and say, hey, look, we have the thousand people who love this movie. It did really well on all these other platforms. Let's get a bigger budget and remake it. That's the conversation for that. Where I do think if we can really hit one of these found footage movies to where people really like it and, you know, there's a buzz to it and the producers like it and theater, theaters want to take a, a risk on it, this they're ready to go. Like they will easily be put in the, the, the theaters. Um, so that is a different, you know, conversation, a different story. It makes sense. The odds of that are you know, hitting the lottery, basically, it's going to be very, very difficult, but you never know. I mean, people, there's an uh, audience for Outwaters, there's an audience for Skinmarink. You never know what people are going to like. And I already know people like Bigfoot. I think it just comes down to, you know, can we get it in the right hands that are going to kind of basically give us the right release? Um, you know, that's what it comes down to. But that being said, you know, you know, after we get a thousand fans, I think the next step for DBS to tackle would be theatrical releases, there is some stuff that's happening now um, where theaters are becoming more open to it. We're seeing more theaters basically, you know, do the Alamo draft house model where it's kind of more of a luxury experience and they cater more towards indie films. Um, all that stuff is cool. And I think that that market's going to actually expand in the next year. So, you know, hopefully we can be a part of that. Exactly that. So that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. You know, be sure to take a look at our movies online. A Cold Grave could be out there. Horror in a Forest. Both of those are going to be found footage. As always, be sure to give it a rental and a review. That means the world to us. Be sure to take a look at our Discord channel online because we want to be in our movies behind the scenes and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. That is the place to be. Until then, have a good one. <laughs>